Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and welcome back. Uh, Took a little bit of a break, uh, unintended, but we are back and just in time for Halloween, and I am thrilled to have Ali Malaninko on the show today. Ali is the author of the wonderful book, Ghost Girl, uh, and a little bit about Ghost Girl. Z Puckett loves ghost stories. She just never expected to be living one. It all starts with the dark and stormy night. When the sky's clear, everything is different. People are missing. There's a creepy new principal who seems to know everyone's darkest dreams, and Z is seeing frightening things, large, scary dogs that talk and maybe even a ghost. So that's all I'm going to tell you about it. But Allie lives in Brooklyn, likes to read books, and she got cancer at age 37. And uh, that's just a little bit about her from her bio. But I'm excited for you to get to know Allie because she is an absolute delight. We talk about Ghost Girl. We talk about her upcoming book, This Appearing House, next year, coming out next year, and we talk about all things Halloween related. So if you are looking for a podcast that will get you in the mood for the Halloween holiday spirit, you've come to the right place. So before my conversation with Allie, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N- U-F-F-Y dot C-O, and the owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri, who designed the Detox Podcast logos. So if you like the podcast and you like the logo, you want to go check it out, check it out, snuffy.co, and by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. I hope this allows you an opportunity to detox the world around you. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, we really appreciate your support. And we look forward to you continuing to engage with this wonderful show. Now, if you want to help out the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. First, be sure to go and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast of choice. Make sure and rate and review the podcast. And please share the episode and the series with a friend. Word of mouth really helps out independent podcasts such as this one. So without further ado, my conversation with Allie is right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. 
I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family. Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is one of my new favorite authors, Ali Malininko. Ali, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be here. This is going to be so much fun. I, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got started, and I, I told you this is my jam. This type of, of book, the spooky book, we're going to talk a lot about Ghost Girl, and I'm very excited. We're going to talk a lot about spookiness in general. Tis the season, if you will. And, um Right. And so one of the things that I like to do, so before we even dig into all that, one of the first questions I like to ask people that come on the show uh, here at the Detox Podcast, we do invite people to detox from the world around them, get a window into how other people live their lives and just relax for a bit. So Ali, I want to ask you, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, wow. That's, that's a great question. It's been, it's been a hell of a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on top of another uh, previous tough year. So I guess on the whole, I am trying to detox from my need to control things that are absolutely outside of my control. Um, I'm detoxing from my need to try and like take my emotions and just like ram them down into my toes and not deal with them. I'm trying to be better about like le letting whatever is happening, just letting it happen, like, like letting myself feel it, experience it, acknowledge it, and then try and move on. But yes. I'm doing so-so at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It is so, hard, so to, hard to not, I mean, this is what I, this is the, the, the rut that I get stuck in is I think growing up was taught to kind of grit it out, grit it out. You know, very mm -hmm. like, like, it's okay, like suck it up and, and move mm -hmm. forward. And I think in some instances, it's helpful to have the wherewithal to kind of like collect yourself and step forward. However, I would argue if we had had the ability to feel things and process and embrace mm -hmm. them and let them go, then we wouldn't so often need to gather ourselves, suck it up, pick ourselves up and move forward. So I think, I think they go hand in hand a, a little bit. Absolutely. I totally agree. It's so funny too. Cause like I, I, I grew up on the, like uh, on the age of the, like the free to be you and me. And I always think of that song on that album, like it's okay to cry, right. you know, crying gets the bad out of you. And I was like, that's great. We played, they played this record for us when we were kids. And yet at the same time, that's really not the message that was relayed. Right. Like in day to day life. So, you know, I'm trying to find a balance between like, okay, get yourself together. You've got to like move on. You've got to, you've got to keep going. And also like, it's 
totally cool to spend 15 minutes sitting in the corner staring at the wall. That's okay too. Right, right. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Well, one thing, uh, since we're talking about feeling the feelings and, and embracing <laughs> them, I want to, let's talk, let's dig into the spookiness of, of things. And so I think one thing that I love to do around this time of the year is read anything that's interesting about uh, us, uh, what I what I would say, a classic Halloween type of situation or setting, but presented in a different way. And I was telling you a little bit, I, I do really enjoy ghost stories. So a little bit about background on me, uh, my family growing up, uh, almost every fall, we would rent a cabin somewhere. So either in the woods or lake, whatever. And I remember this one specific time, I was around 10 or 11, and uh, we had this cabin. And I remember it was, it had big, tall windows, but without any blinds. So at night, you would feel the trees pressing in on you and you felt very uh, creeped out a little bit and exposed. <laughs> and so I bought this like, collection of ghost stories and I had my family sit down and I was sitting by the fire and I was reading them and I thought, ooh, this is super spooky. I love it. In reality, it may not have been as spooky as I would like, but... I've always been drawn to a good classic ghost storytelling while collected around the fire. And then fast forward, so a little bit more, is um, when I, I got my undergrad degree in theater, and we had to do a show as our capstone project, to direct a show. And so I chose the play The Woman in Black. For those who may not be familiar, Woman in Black is a novel, a British novel that was adapted to a play. And it is a very spooky ghost story. And it was at that time that I realized that British people tell ghost stories at Christmas and, and, and of course, Halloween and really anytime, but, but so that's, that's what was interesting to me. And so I've always been drawn. So bringing it back around, I've always been drawn to the ghost story element and the, the, the idea that how do we, like, where do we go when we pass? How do we pass on? And then how do we potentially get stuck moving from one plane of existence to another? So I want to use this as an opportunity to ask you, what was your, I guess, initial, uh, your initial draw to the genre individually? And then also, what were some of your early ideas in crafting Ghost Girl, your brilliant book? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so I would say that the way I, I came to telling this story is actually um, stems from, well, a childhood love of all things Halloween and all things spooky. Um, I had wonderful, wonderful, wonderful parents, but also very like concerned parents when it came to like the media that I ingested, which I completely deserved because everything terrified me. So like when my mother was like, mm, you're not going to watch Freddy Krueger because it's going to keep you up with nightmares. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to be fine. And then I watched it at the sleepover and then I had nightmares for two weeks. And like, she was right. She was a hundred percent right. Right. So I think though, the big, one of the bigger moments was when um, I grew up in a small town, uh, very much the town that I set ghost girl in very similar and um, I remember I, I lived for the library. The library was everything. And I would take out stacks and stacks and stacks. And I remember one time at the very top of that stack as I like, you know, teetered over to the checkout was Al Alvin Schwartz's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And my mother took one look and went, absolutely not. And <laughs> picked it up and put it back on the shelf. And I was so 
bummed about it. And I was like, that's the book I wanted to read because it has all the creepy pictures, which it really <laughs> does. The illustrations in that are insane. So I wound up finding it in my school library and I was afraid to check it out. I was afraid what the librarian would say. So I like when I would like sneak a story, like when we had like library time and then put it back on the shelf and then like sneak a story. Not really like book root, like stories like that and stories like Binocula, um, which, you know, uh, I don't know if everyone is familiar with, but Binocula is uh, by James Howe. He and his, his wife did the art and, and told the story. And it's about a vampire bunny who sucks like the, the juice out of vegetables and the family dog and cat who like are convinced that something weird is going on. And I absolutely loved it. And those stories felt like a safe place. to to be scared but like without with it's like a way to navigate you know fear because kids know the world is scary i knew the world was scary when i was little kids know the world's scary now so i feel like my love for it started there but when i started writing i i this is not where i start this is my debut but this is not decidedly not where i started writing um and the first book that i really started writing with the idea that like i'm going to find an agent and i'm going to like move because I had been small press published and I wanted to be, you know, major press published. And I spent at least seven years working on this book and it got me an agent and that was amazing. And it went on submission and it was rejected by everyone. And I, when I say everyone, I mean, you cannot name an imprint on a press that did not pass on this book. And I was heartbroken. Mm. And I spent so much time with these characters. I was like, I don't know how to write anything else. I don't like. I don't have any. I don't have any other ideas. And I realized that what was going to happen is either I was going to quit writing altogether, or I was going to have to find something else. And so, I started thinking about the stories that I loved when I was younger, and it was middle grade spooky stories. And I sat down, and I wrote the first draft of Ghost Girl in six months. Wow. Yeah, like it was. I found joy in writing again. After spending so much time, like take like seven years is a long time to keep writing and rewriting the same story over and over and over again. And no disrespect to writers who have a longer process. I don't mean it that way. It turned into like a weird, like everything has to be perfect or this will never happen for me. And it was the opposite. It didn't have to be perfect. It had to be something I loved. And I fell out of love with that story somewhere halfway through writing it. I just couldn't stop. And then I sat down, I wrote Ghost Girl, and it was an absolute joy. It was everything writing should feel like. I think one, something that I am drawn drawn to, and I've said this before, is the the middle grade novels, right? So a book like like Ghost Girl, like you were talking about, um, I just feel this like baseline comfort level and I think it's just, it brings back really good memories and good times. And so I, I'm, there's no need, you, you know how it is when like you'll read a new novel for the first time. You'll spend like the first little bit feeling out the characters as you're reading. You're like, eh, am I invested in what they're invested in? You know, there's a feeling out process. I do that with every single, like, I guess, I don't know, adult, I'm using air quotes, adult novel. Well, hold on. I should not say adult novel because people are going to take that the wrong way. I should say... <laughs> I should say, like, you know, a, a uh, like a fiction book, like a standard, like if you're in the library, capital F fiction book. There we go. Um, it takes me a while. It takes me a while to, like, get into it. But middle grade novels, especially spooky stories, 
I crack it open, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in, instantly invested in the story and what's going on. I want to know everything about these characters. And the amazing thing about Ghost Girl is I felt like, let's take Zara or Z, right? Uh, the protagonist, as an example, I felt like I already knew everything about her. Like from from jump, and then as the story progressed, and you learn more about about her individual aspects and and some unique things about her and her relationships, it aligns with this image that I've crafted in my head. <laughs> and to me, that's what I love. I'm like, if everything's lining up with like like there's nothing out of the ordinary, like oh, that's weird. She hates bananas. That's like, I don't know. I'm picking a random fact, right? Then I start going, I start doubting like how invested I am in the characters. But then when I'm reading and I'm like, well, absolutely she loves the library and she's excited to go. And absolutely she would want to like take a look at some of the more, um, the more uh, 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 fragile books. And of course she would want to do all of these things. Um, it aligns. And I, and I, I absolutely love it. So for me, I'm in, and then you add the spooky element. It's, it's fantastic. The point that I was going to with that is I think that it can feel, especially like you were saying, when you're working on something for so long that you're, it's, it's, you're, you're at a point where, where you've kind of been tweaking, refining, tweaking, refining, tweaking, refining. And then I think when we find success, it is, we step back, we go back to what we know, we write, we find that passion and we go all in. So so now let's go to how has the how is it like? I want to come back to the spooky element in a second, but I want to know what was it like for you releasing a book in the midst of a pandemic? Oh, it's um it's been interesting. And before we talk about that, I do want to say I love I love what you said about like when you when you read books that are geared for adults. We'll call it that way. Um, <laughs> That's why you're the author. <laughs> you're good at sports. Like, it's really interesting because um, I've had a lot of people say to me and not not other writers and not even like real big readers, but just, you know, like you get the random person, like maybe a colleague or like a like a family friend or whatever. And they're like, well, when are you going to write something for adults? Like a, what they call a real book. Mm. And I'm always like, OK, except the difference between adults and kids is that adults will give a book 50 to 100 pages before they put it down. Right. A kid will give you. A page, two pages, ops. Yeah. So like, it's actually harder. <laughs> it's just harder to keep their attention and their interest. So I just need to get that out there <laughs> for all the, the colleagues and family <laughs> friends who want to ask me when I'm going to write a real book. Right. I wrote a real book, friends. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so releasing in a pandemic, uh, it, uh, you know, so I got... I got the call, as they call it. Mm -hmm. I got the phone call from my agent January 19th of 2020. Yes, I remember the day. <laughs> it was a big day for me. Yep. And I was absolutely over the moon. And then, you know, March happened. Sure. And I watched, as we all did, the world slow and shut down. Um, I live I live in, in New York. I live in Brooklyn. And... Um, you know, we got hit early and pretty hard. And, uh, you know, there were just like weeks where, you know, you left the house simply to get groceries and that was it. And it was nothing but sirens all day and all night. That's mm -hmm. all you heard were ambulances going up and down the street all the time. And it was pretty terrifying. And then like this summer came, you know, and, and things started to look like, oh, maybe we're getting somewhere. And I kept telling myself, I was like, you know what? You have a whole year. You have a whole year for things to get better. It's going to be fine. 
And then early 2021, I was like, okay, still not great. And then it was like, it was like, oh, like it's the summer and it's going to be like, like COVID is over summer. This is like pre-Delta, which happened like my publicist was like feeling around, like who's doing in and none of the bookstores were doing in-store events yet or anything. And all the big conventions were canceled and I was sad and I pouted a lot. But the truth of the matter is one of the really interesting things that came out of this, and I'm not, I don't want to say it's like, it was great because obviously the pandemic has been horrific um, and it's devastated families and it's, it's, it's destroyed people's lives. So there's nothing good about this, but I absolutely love that bookstores have started doing virtual events. And I hope that when they go back to in-store events, they keep a virtual component because I have gotten to see my friends debut. Like I've gotten like my friends who live in other, other States, um, some in other countries, like I've gotten to log in and watch their, like their first interview. And it's been amazing. And my family doesn't live near me. Um, and they got to be there that night when I did my first event. And then the night after that, when I did my second event and they got to log in and they got to ask questions. And it was like, in a world that suddenly felt so isolated, it was like, felt really communal. So no, definitely it's not great to debut in a pandemic. And I do not recommend zero out of 10 stars. Do not recommend. But if you have to, I guess the people that care about books find a way to find a way, they find a way to connect you with your readers or the people who will book talk your book to those readers. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for people like you, people who do podcasts have been amazing. They've been absolutely amazing. Um, People who do uh, booktubers and the people who do the in-store events, like there's so much passion and love in this community. And I think it's the only thing that has kept me from being completely broken. Yeah. One thing that I've been very pleasantly uh, uh, surprised by is when I've started, when I had started, I guess it was around last year or so, um, around this time, I started interviewing uh, different middle grade authors or authors who had just recently put out middle grade books. So, uh, and Kate Messner being one of them. And so, and, and I found there's this beautiful, supportive community of authors who who do nothing but share goodness and love yeah. online and are just like, oh my God, you are a bestseller. This is incredible. Let's share. And I'm like, this corner of the world is amazing and I need to know more of these people because it is a bright spot. So, I, you know, we talked about Chris, uh, Chris Barron, right? And, and, and talking to him uh, previously, talking with you, talking about uh, Rajani Liraka. I mean, like there is so, so many wonderful uh, authors in this space that I can't wait to know more. And so, and so to your point about the virtual component, I think, I think we as a society were a little dug in our heels on some of these ways of doing things like, like book launches, right? Or, or, um, even just events. So thinking about like work and like, no, we have to be on site for an event and we can't video stream and there can't be an online component. It's like, you're there, you miss it. And we found that there is value in building a community that is not confined to the immediate room. And so I do hope that in a lot of these instances, we are more planful about how we can have a virtual component, um, 
to to empower more people to be part of the the experience absolutely i and i I couldn't agree more um i mean middle grade book twitter alone Mm -hmm. is the most wholesome beautiful place in the world and all you got to do is just go on there and just be like hey so here's my book. Um, I'm, you know, I'm feeling like maybe I want to share something or like, this is, a, and everyone will scream about how wonderful you are and how much they love you. And you're the best, smartest, most creative person ever lived. And it's just perfection. It really is. And then we just, it's literally just a bunch of middle grade writers consistently hyping each other up all of the time. But I know that there's some other corners of book Twitter that could be a little uh, more intense but we are just fully here for the good times and writing good stuff for kids hanging out with librarians and teachers and all of that and it's great it's really great and i did my 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 uh the my release day event with books of wonder which is a, a a beautiful wonderful my dream uh store it's a children's bookstore in manhattan and right before we went on you know i was talking to the host and they said that when they get back to in-person events, they're absolutely keeping the online component so that no matter where you are, even if you can't come to Manhattan, you know, and you can't be, you, you'll be able to log in and watch like a panel of live authors speaking. And I just, I think that's wonderful. I think if there's anything we take away from this, it should be that there is no limit to how wide this community can be. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, it is the most like it, it, you said it perfectly. It's just like a community of hype people. Like this person is, Allie is incredible. Have you read her book? It's amazing. Let me get it for you. Let me share it with yeah. you. Here's her They're Twitter handle. So like, great. you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful and wholesome. And it's like, it's so comforting. There's something, like mm-hmm. I said, it's so comforting. Um, let's dig in. Let's do this a little bit more. And for those who may be listening and going, I want to know more about Ghost Girl. We've talked a little bit about, but we've not dug in more and more. So if you could tee it up for us, um, for those who do not know Ghost Girl, a little bit of a synopsis about it and then why they should immediately go buy 10 copies for themselves and their surrounding libraries. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. 10 copies. Wow. Whew. Hard sell. Um, so Ghost Girl is the story of Z Puckett, um, her best friend, Elijah and her bully turned buddy, Nellie. Um, these three kids have to team up after a big storm comes to town. Some people go missing. And most importantly, a creepy new principal arrives who has the ability to manifest everyone's deepest wishes and desires, um, which sounds great and quickly goes terribly south. Um, and it winds up being real bad. And so for... Z and her friends to save their families and their town, they have to figure out exactly what the principal is, not even who, and how they're going to defeat him. And the book deals with um, some other not, like it's, it's a fun adventure story. It absolutely is. Um, but it also, it, it touches upon some, some deeper issues. There's some conversations about poverty. There's some conversations about mental health. Um, there's a lot of conversations about bullying, not just between kids, but sometimes the way a parent can become a bully. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, it's, uh, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I wrote it so naturally I do, but I think, um, it's, it's a good, it's, it's got some, I mean, it really depends. Like, um, I have two nieces and they both, they both like bounced about halfway through. They were like, nope, nope, nope. Too scary for me. 
Um, but I know other kids who were like, oh, you should have made it scarier. So it really, it depends on the kid. Um, yeah. but it definitely has some, it has some, some moments in it. I'm not going to lie that are, are some people have told me are a little like, Oof, that was a bit. Um, but it's got a lot of heart. So I hope you'll give it a chance. <laughs> I want, so I want to give it to my, my daughter, but she's just a smith. I, there's a couple of pieces where I was just like, mm, I think I'm going to wait just a little bit longer. She is six, um, going on 35, oh, goodness. <laughs> six going on 35. I mean, you know, are we all? Yeah. But she, I know she's going to love it. Like just can already tell, can already tell. So, um, but I want to, I want to do this it, t- since it is a little bit, um, uh, of, of Halloween before we talk about your, your next book that's coming out, which is disappearing house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So before we get into that, okay. I want to know, um, what is your favorite Halloween movie? Oh, my favorite Halloween movie. Or I guess Scream. we could say scary movie, but scream. Scream. Okay. Scream. Yeah. I think Scream is the the perfect mix of like camp comedy and absolute like complete horror. The way the way Wes Craven opened that film, what it just it turned everything I was expecting on its head. Like I just completely I was like, wait, what? What just what? And before you even get to the credits, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, definitely, definitely Scream is but if you want to know the movie that scares me more than anything, because like Scream is fun. I'll put Scream on and sure. enjoy it. But the movie that scares me more than anything is Strangers. Oh, I don't okay. know if you know. Do you I know do that one? Know. No. Okay. So the Strangers is a story about a couple that um, they're going to a wedding and they're staying in a cabin and uh, there's, it's a home invasion story. Oh, okay. And these three people show up at the cabin and basically like, torture them and it's awful i have a big uh, home, I, i'm terrified of home invasion so sure i should not ever watch this movie but instead sometimes i do because i'm like i'll be fine this time and then i'm like i hate myself i wish i had done this and i'm crying right, right so yeah that's the movie that definitely scares me more than anything but scream is my favorite halloween movie i will have to watch Scream. screams on my two watch list so i've been trying to go you've through never seen these, scream no, i haven't i i was so it's interesting because i like being spooked and scared and thrilled and I never can wait. I've historically never been able to wade through like, what does this have? Is this like heavily on the core? <laughs> Is it heavy on the thrill? Cause I love me a good like thrill movie. And so like I grew up, like I, I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. So I mm. watched psycho tons of times. Um, Rope is a, was a favorite as oh, well. So good. Oh, uh, it is not talked about enough. With those long Agreed. shots and just, but anyways, um, and so I like that, <laughs> but the, um, but then some of these, I'm like, I feel like I should watch it cause it's a classic, but I also, I'm like, what am I getting into? And I remember I watched Saw on a recommendation mm-hmm. of a friend who said, I know you may not like the style of horror, but you will like the story. Just trust me, trust that the script is worth it. And so I did. And I, I, do not regret watching it. I like to this day, do not regret watching it. Watch the second one was a little like, mm, okay, I don't need to keep watching these. I'm good. Yes. I'm yes. I feel the same that. way about Saw. Like the original felt very new and yes. very like, I, I was like, oh, what's happened? The storytelling was very interesting. And then I watched the second one. I was like, oh, this again. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it just, 
Yeah. It, it's kind of like like paranormal activity, you know, like, sure. yes. like when Blair yes. Witch came out and it yes. was like found footage, everyone's like, this is amazing. And then there were a hundred found footage. Yes. And I'm like, okay, now it's just a genre. I've moved on. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Well, that's really good. I know that um, it's so funny. I, I love, so I loved Hitchcock and I also was raised on the Universal Monsters movies. So every Halloween we bust out Fra Frankenstein, Wolfman, yeah. Dracula, Mummy, every all of them um so i love that and then i uh i made i remember watching the ring in junior high and going what is this all about this is not that big of a deal and i was even telling my <laughs> wife about this the other night i was like the ring is one of those movies that i like watched it scared the crap out of me but i also was like it was good all right i'm done and then it was like that wasn't that big of a deal and then i watched the clock until seven days passed just in case and then Happy to That's say, how you know, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to say I'm not, not, not dead. So we're I mean <laughs> that I'm aware of. So anyways, but I use that as a segue into in the, in the book, this is where I was going with this in mm -hmm. the book. Z has a well-worn copy of Frankenstein that yeah. she is going reading over and over again. And so I want to know, was there a book of, of yours growing up? that you read over and over and over again in a similar fashion to Z with Frankenstein? Yes. It was not a scary book, though. It was not. I mean, trust me, I read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark over and over again. Right. But the book that I read absolutely the most, and, the, and it was also the book that I read at a time, you know, I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade, and it really kind of dawned on me that like a writer was a thing, you know, mm. like the book and the story is the thing. I never considered that there was a human behind it who created it. And this was the first time reading this, this particular book that I was like, wow, a person wrote this. Um, and, and like, you know, maybe one day I could do that. And right. that was when I started really thinking about writing. And that was definitely a wrinkle in time oh, by Madeline yeah. Angle. Yeah. And I think the thing that really, for me, that A Wrinkle in Time did was it was the first time I felt seen in a book with a character like Meg, um, who feels clumsy and awkward. She is sad. She is angry. In fact, the fact that there, Mrs. What's It has this amazing line where she tells Meg to hold on to her. She says, hold on to your anger, little Meg. It will serve you. Mm. And like, I connected so well with that, you know, because like, Another thing that we tend to not be great with kids is that, you know, we, we don't like when they're angry. We don't let right. them sort through those things. They just have to kind of like stop being angry. Like just stop right now. Like, could you imagine you can't tell adults to stop being angry, right. you know, yeah. like it's ridiculous, but we tell kids all the time to stop being angry. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that. I just, I remember like the, the power that it felt when I read that the idea that like anger could be useful. It could yes. be a tool. It could be a good Thing. it could make you strong it could make you brave and I just I really really connected with that when I was a kid this idea that your emotions are like a form of magic and they can protect you and they can save the people you love and yeah A Wrinkle in Time for sure was my absolute like I still have my original copy and it is absolutely still taped. <laughs> you know the cover is taped on what's like Z's copy of Frankenstein. Right, right. And I really felt like I took a little bit of a risk there because I'm like, what 11-year-old would read Frankenstein? But then also I was like, I don't care. This, this <laughs> you, one. You, okay. This one. My parents. good. My I feel parent, validated. My parents had a, um, had a, it was one of the, it was like a combined, like special 
you know, like one of those things that you would get at like a Barnes Noble or, or something, mm-hmm. where you, like a collected works. And it was Frankenstein on one side and Dracula on the other. And so every year, so when I started getting into spooky stuff, my dad, who I would um, give me things uh, a bit too early sometimes. And so he was like, hey, you could read this. This is super spooky. And he's like, you've seen the movies already? No different. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's a little different. Um, and so, <laughs> so I, re- I remember reading Frankenstein and I liked it, but I was actually always drawn to Dracula because I was a sucker for the uh, variety of storytelling devices, so like the journals, the letters, the, the letters. Like I love the idea. I'm like starting to geek out now, but I love the idea of like <laughs> a character's point of view, writing a letter and like, you don't get all the information because it's just one character's perspective. So you have to think about the bigger picture and fill in the gaps with your mind from what they're telling you and what you know to be true about the overall story. Like, oh, I Yeah, the way that. Dracula was written is is absolutely, in a, it, it's, I think it's one of the first ones that I read in that kind of like letter journal entry format. Yes. And I was completely blown away. I've read others since then. Um, but that, that is the hallmark. Like that's Dracula is amazing. I mean, Frankenstein is still my favorite. Yeah. No, it, Dracula it is definitely good. amazing. Yes. <laughs> I, I still remember so many times as a kid, um, not understanding what happened to Jonathan. Like, like even though I would read it and read it, I'm like, but wait, he's just locked and Dracula <laughs> climbed down the side. But how did he do that? And my dad's like, look, bro, like he can shape change. He's a vampire. <laughs> So he's just going to, he was, I think my dad said vampires are just going to vampire and they're just going to like go, like just let I it I love be. that. I want to get that like on a bumper sticker. Right. Vampires going to vampire. Right. They're going to do what they do. I love it. Okay. So since we're talking about spooky houses and we're talking about uh, interesting things occurring and we talked a little bit about uh, home invasion, talk about <laughs> this appearing house and what, uh, what that story is about and what fans can expect coming up next year. Sure. So this appearing house is um, honestly, it is a book that I did not think would ever actually exist um, in a way that would be other people would ever read it. Um, it's a book that is, is it's it's really personal. So in one on one hand, I'm super excited for people to read it. I'm also deeply terrified for when that happens, because it's it's probably the most personal thing I, I have or maybe will ever write. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but it's a story. Um, so uh, let me tell you what the story is. The story is about, um, a girl named Jack and her best friend, Hazel. Um, again, I'm really big on the girl main characters with the boy best friends. Cause that was my life. <laughs> my best friend lived around the corner. Um, and so she moves across the country. She moves into a new town. She becomes friends with this kid named Hazel and, one day she's riding her bike down at the cul-de-sac at the end of her street where she goes to kind of like just sort out her feelings and her thoughts and when she's like struggling and she notices to her surprise that all of a sudden there's a giant house at the end of the cul-de-sac that wasn't there and so she sort of becomes obsessed with it and she wants to go inside but she doesn't want to go inside and so she takes her friend Hazel down there and you know, she's like, if Hazel can see the house, then then I know that it's real. And it's not something that I'm I'm imagining. And it doesn't mean something deeper, something wrong with me. And so Hazel sees the house and then some neighborhood kids show up and a dare happens and they go into the house. 
And the house is a haunted house, of course, but it is more than just a haunted house. Um, it is a house that exists solely for Jack to work through her, her, her concerns and her issues and her past. Um, and it's basically built specifically for her. And um, yeah, so I wrote this story um, to deal with, I don't know how much we want to get into it, but like to deal with some traumatic things that I had been through in terms of like illness and a diagnosis that I struggled with. Um, and I wrote it and I was like, well, that was just for me. I got all my feelings out, put it in the trunk, the end. Right. And I told my friend Amber about it. She and I share an agent. She's like, just let me read it. Just give it to me and let me read it. And I was like, okay, but like, I'm not doing anything with this book. Like this book is just for me. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just read it. And then she was like, yeah, no, you need to send this to our agent. Like you have to send it to her. And I was like, mm, do I though? Should I? She was like, no, absolutely. You have to, like you, you have to. So I did. And my agent was like, okay, yeah, this, like this, this story is going to help so many kids who have been through mine deals with a physical illness, but I've had, I know people who've read it who have it basically have been told that like it, any kind of traumatic experience can be mapped over Jack's story. So anything mm-hmm. where you have that moment in your life where there's sort of like a, a break and there's that moment where there's everything before and there's everything after, and there's that, that chasm that happens. Um, and pretty much anything that causes that can be mapped over the story. And so my agent loved it. My editor loved it. And it will, <laughs> it will be a real life book come next August. Um, oh my goodness. And I'm excited about it. And, and my editor is the one who came up with the title, which I really like because the idea is that the house appears and then it disappears. So it'd be called This Appearing House Sounds Like Disappearing House. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very clever because my titles are never good. So <laughs> <laughs> I love, I am beyond eager to read it. It, uh, I, <laughs> cannot next year cannot come here fast enough Um, thank you of course before we get into uh the last part uh of the of the show what i want to ask is if somebody is listening and they want to get started writing or perhaps they've already gotten started and they're looking for a little bit of that corner of the twitter verse that's all hype and positivity what are some words of encouragement or perhaps a mantra that you would like to give to them Oh, you know what? Um, I think the best thing that you can do when you're trying to get started with writing, um, first and foremost, is is to read and and even read even more than you write. Just read and don't read just in the genre or the age group that you're interested in. Read widely. Read as wide as possible. Read as much as you can get your hands on because you will learn how storytelling works from reading other books, not even, and like, I know a lot of people swear by craft books. I'm not one of those people. No disrespect to anyone who does. I totally get lots of people love Save the Cat. I think it's called, I get it. I think it works for them. For me, I learned how to tell stories by reading stories. I learned the importance of empathy and that's what stories do. They create empathy. They make you realize that like, it's like, hey, I felt this, I experienced this. Does anyone else in the world feel or experience this way? And then they're like, yeah, I got you. I know that. And then you're, you get to human a little better. Um, so definitely read, read, read. And on a more practical level, and this isn't necessarily for everyone either, but it was extremely helpful for me to create a writing schedule. And by that, I mean a time that is only for writing. And I know that is very hard depending on what your life looks like. So for me, 
I write from 4.45 in the morning until seven o'clock before I go to my job. I work as a librarian. Um, and what it's done over the years, aside from severely deprive me of much needed sleep, <laughs> is that it has trained my brain that like, it's morning, here's my cup of tea, the computer is on, like wake up a little bit, but now it's time to write. And the great thing about writing in the morning for me is that I get work done before I have a bad day and don't want to do anything. Yeah. So it's like before the world has any impact on me, before I have a terrible commute or like a patron is mean to me or like I have a like bad time at my job or a meeting or whatever, before any of that can happen, I got words down on paper. Um, and I really truly, and it doesn't have to be the morning, but I really truly believe that a schedule it trains your brain and you, you know, the only way a book gets written is one word after another yeah. and sentence after sentence and paragraph after paragraph. And then eventually you will have a book, but you have to actually sit down and do it. So yeah, read a lot and try and find a schedule. <laughs> I think that's so key because um, when you're talking about getting work done before, I mean, before the world, like, hits you right or so or maybe that was a little bit too intense but before the world <laughs> decides decides that you're gonna have a bad day right or not great interactions i can count i think the best of intentions um on plans went out the window for me when i'm like you know what? i just this day has really gotten to me i'm done i don't want to do mm -hmm. anything extra but i find when i do have the ability and the capacity to get up early and focus and and work on something that i'm focused on I feel more at peace. Yes. There's, there's a there's a calmness and it feels a little bit like the world hasn't woken up yet and I'm mm -hmm. I'm centering myself and then I can just walk into the rest of the day and it still might yep. suck but yes. I'm centering myself. That's the thing too is like I always like I'm like okay today at the end of the day it was like wow today was terrible but you know what? I got words down. Yes. That happened. I I got words down and that's what matters. And that's what the part that you focus on. And as long as you find a time where you can do that, you can say that about every single day, you know, like I got words down and that's, and it, it also like, I'm not, it sometimes can be a real stickler about like a word count. Like I want to write X number of words a day, but that's just cause I get a little obsessive about things. Sure. But like, honestly, if it's 200 words, if it's 2000 words, if it's 20 words, if you deleted 200 bad words, still all counts. Like, yep that's still forward progress. And yeah, definitely. It, it, it does center you. It's like, well, today was, there. I think Neil Gaiman had a joke about that. Like got fired, cat exploded, like just a whole list of terrible things that happened. But you know, I got 200 words down. Good day. Right. So. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, we are going to pivot to the last part of the show, which is things to check out. So it is a segment of the show where I like to uh, recommend something I'm either watching, reading, or listening to, and I ask my guests to do the same. So I will go first. So besides Ghost Girl, a couple of recommendations I want to give folks. So from a reading perspective, I'm going to bring it up again. If you've not read The Woman in Black, please do. It is part of the curriculum in British school system that they read this book, and then they go see the play on the West End, and it was, I studied overseas for a time, and so getting to experience that was absolutely incredible. It is still to date the only time that I've been scared shitless in a live theater production. I legitimately thought it would never happen, and it did. So, 
That sounds amazing. That is my recommendation for that. And then also, uh, since we're talking about ghost stuff, I do want to point out, um, I watched uh, last year, Netflix did The Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, which is a take on The Turn of the Screw. So absolutely go check that out. Um, Are You Afraid of the Dark is on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, I grew up watching Nickelodeon, so you should check that out. Uh, The Black Tapes podcast was a good fictionalized story story about creepy things that happen in I think it's Seattle um, I don't think it I think it ran I think it lasted for about five years and I think they've they've concluded but the full range of the podcast should still be around and then the last thing is my good friend Lara Whitley does a podcast that I've guested on before Hellbound and they do true crime they do spooky stuff they do cults they do all all of your run-of-the-mill creepiness whether real life or or uh, supernatural. And so definitely go check that out. So those are all my recommendations. Allie, what are some recommendations that you have? I love this. Okay. So I definitely recommend, uh, there's a new YA book that just came out. Um, Oh, we're just, what is, we're not even at a full month. This baby hasn't even been out a whole month. So it's called to break a covenant by Allison Ames. Um, it is an incredible story, got a queer cast, it's got a haunted mind. It's very much about like girl friendships, you know, the kind of friendships that you had when you were younger that literally would let you go into a haunted mind in order to save each other. It is beautiful. It is terrifying because Allison can write some absolute scares. Um, but it's also just like so beautiful and really made me very think a lot. Like I'm very fortunate in that I'm still very close to my drama club friends that I was friends with in high school and we see each other every year. But if I weren't, it would make me very nostalgic for them and those friendships that you have when you're a teenager, when the whole world feels so intense. Yes. Um, so I definitely recommend Allison Ames to break a covenant. It's beautiful. Go buy it. Go buy it probably for your friends. Um, watching wise. So I love that you mentioned the haunting of blind manor because um, the haunting of Hill house that yes. they did beforehand was my absolute favorite. So The Haunting of Hill House, which is uh, Shirley Jackson, based on the Shirley Jackson story, but very different from the book, Um, which is my second favorite Shirley Jackson because I will forever and ever and ever and ever love We Have Always Lived in the Castle more than anything else, Um, which is just a brilliant book. It's a witch origin story, I'm convinced. The Haunting of Hill House was amazing. Um, The Haunting of Blind Manor was also amazing. And I'm currently watching um, the new one that Mike... Uh, Midnight Mass? Yes. I haven't started it yet. Is it worth it? Okay. No spoilers. I'm going to give you no spoilers. I'm going to say I have one episode left, um, which I'm kind of pleasure delaying because I'm traveling right now. I've been visiting some family. So I have one episode left, um, which I'll probably catch up with on this weekend. It is, it's going to take me a while to like digest all of it, but it is probably the most intense thing that he hit. Mike Flanagan, that is his name. That again has created this is his own work it's not um based on any like bly manor or haunted hill house and i i know this sounds weird but like i'm so proud of him even though he doesn't know i exist like i'm so i just i love watching his career just get better and better yes so i definitely recommend that but again i haven't watched the last episode so it could totally implode and i will regret everything i said <laughs> um and as far as podcasts go okay i have a couple so if you are interested in a horror fiction podcast, the Magnus Archives, is amazing. I'm pretty sure it's everywhere, but I use Spotify, so I know it's definitely there. Okay. And my favorite, 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 favorite podcast ever. Oh, well, not ever. That's true. 
my favorite horror related podcast is Talking Scared, which is Neil McRoberts, who is a lovely English chap who interviews all of like your favorite or never heard of yet, but definitely want to read horror writers. His interviews are so dynamic and amazing. He gets these people to talk about like their books in ways that I never thought of them. My to be read list is destroyed by this man. He is single-handedly, I'm going to drown and be buried in the avalanche of the books that he recommends on his podcast. But I truly, truly love it. And I cannot recommend it enough. I that? love <laughs> that. I absolutely love that. And I do, I do have to, okay. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out, oh my goodness, I don't know where, it, uh, you know what? I'm going to have to add the, oh wait, no, it is out here. Okay. So one of my very yeah. good friends that I did theater with way back in the day, Rebecca Kennedy, who's been on the show before. She is somebody that has always been cast as like the scream girl in horror films or as the like yeah, emaciated child. I mean, like she's got a look that is built for horror. And so she just wrapped a show, uh, the two witches. It's a movie. I think it's doing the circuit right now. So two witches, uh, she plays Masha, um, and I am trying to find more information about it. Um, yeah, no, it says, IMDb says expected 2021. It is 2021. I do know all over her social media feed, she's been posting about it and sharing it. So Rebecca Kennedy, uh, that's R-E-B-E-K-A-H Kennedy. So anyways, definitely go check her out. I don't think you're going to uh, be disappointed. So, but... Anyways, just lots of good spookiness. Lots of good spookiness. Um, but yes, so, okay. Before we go, how, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, Allie, what's the best way for them to do that? So, um, there, I'm on Twitter, um, just at, it's at Allie Malenenko. Um, I'm on Instagram at the same. And uh, my blog is AllieMalenenko.com. You can check it out there um, on my website. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. But I'm around. Um, you can ask me questions on my website. You can ask me questions on Twitter. Anything you want to know. I'm an open book. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Allie. It has been an absolute delight. Cannot wait to continue to follow your <laughs> career and bring you back and have more excellent discussions around books, spooky things, everything in between. I would love that. And thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun conversation. Of course, of course. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Oh, no, before I go, I forgot to do this. I said I said I would do this and I didn't do it. So, all right. So I don't know what your what individuals, trick, whoever's listening, whatever trick-or-treating plans you may have for your kids this year, we all know that things have been very crazy and very different. But something that is near and dear to my family and that we've done every year is participate in the teal pumpkin project. If you do not know what that is, it is uh, you take a pumpkin. Now they have, I think, plastic pumpkins. We have painted pumpkins in the past. You you put a teal colored pumpkin at your house and you can register it on a map online. And that indicates to kids who might have specific food allergies that they can get a non-food treat for Halloween at your house and they can still participate in trick-or-treating without having to like throw away all the candy and be very sad. So if you want to make kids happy in a different way this Halloween, definitely recommend it. It is very easy to do. And then that way you're able to, to allow a child to continue to have fun. So that that's my last note that I wanted to end on. So I love that. All right. Well, listeners, now here we go. You've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. 
If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.